cool. So this time uh, last year, um, Leonie and Steve and me and Natasha, we, we were uh, asked to go and do a youth conference in the Czech Republic. And uh, the billing of the conference was uh, Signs and Wonders. And I watched the video and it talked about this guy from the UK who was going to come and show everyone how to release, no, how to, how to heal people, how to heal the sick, how to raise the dead. It was amazing. Wondering who it was and then I see my name underneath it. <laughs> and suddenly this very interesting conference got to be a very, um, well, a bit scary conference of, of the expectation of what they were asking us to do. Um, so we get there on the first night and uh, they, they do some stuff and then, then I preach a message on the power of God and how Jesus validated his ministry by healings and even validated who he was by healings, staked his reputation on a healing which hadn't happened yet. And uh, as I'm drawing to the end of the, the message, um, I, I, was, I was eyeing this guy in, in the front row and he had two hearing aids in. It didn't take a word of knowledge to know that he couldn't hear properly. Um, struggling with his hearing um, but I just real felt draw towards him I just just like like that the Holy Spirit was highlighting him so as I drew to the close of the message I pulled him out the front and basically said and I'm going to show you that the power of God works today by this guy is going to get healed yeah now I found actually when you're bold God responds so I'm praying for this guy. We've taken the hearing aids out. Not only we've we taken the hearing aids out, he doesn't speak a word of English. So obviously communication is a bit of an issue. Um, but I pray for him and I pray for him again. And talking to the interpreter, he doesn't feel anything. He doesn't even feel the presence of God in his life. I've seen him in worship and, he, and he's like on the floor, but you know, he didn't even feel a tingle. He felt, he felt like this slight warmth on his ears, but I'm thinking, yeah, well, my hands were there. So... I can't really take that. Um, so I'm standing there just, just going, God, what am I supposed to do now? I thought you were supposed to heal this guy. And uh, the next words which came out of my mouth shocked me. I said, by, by the time we leave on Sunday, this guy will be healed. Now outside, I'm still like this, this great man of faith just standing there going, yeah, I, I believe what I said. Inside, I've just gone, what have I just done? Where did that come from? So... So anyway, I then do an altar call for people to, to respond, to, to be filled with the power of God, thinking no one's going to turn up because I've just done that and it's, it's been a complete dud. Let's face it, nothing's happened. Anyway, people do respond miraculously. I mean, that was the first miracle of the meeting, the evening. People do respond and the power of God is coming on powerfully. I mean, Natasha's in, in some, well, I don't know where she is because I asked her to, to do some ministry and she's like bent over double praying for people. I've got, I've released one interpreter to, to healing because I don't have enough ministry team. Absolutely amazing stuff is going on. And then I look over to the other side of, of the building and there's this guy surrounded, the guy with the, the hearing aid, surrounded by youth who are praying for him. Now this conference, we didn't realize when we turned up, this was full of youth from all over Czech Republic who didn't know each other. And yet, some had got together and just started to pray for this guy. I looked to the leaders of the meeting, they seemed happy that that was going on, so I was like, brilliant, let's carry on. And then every single meeting we had that weekend, as soon as we started doing ministry, this youth just started to, to huddle around this guy and pray for him. And it got to such an extent that on the Saturday night, um, there's about 30 youth praying for this, this one, one guy who's got hearing aids in, who's now taking them out, out, without any direction, without us saying anything. They've just gone and done it. And I'm, I'm looking at it, and, I'm, and I say to Leone, that is just beautiful. You can, 
like sense the, the incense coming off. It's just their prayers. It's, you can smell it. It's, it's just beautiful. It's like the light of God is just coming out of, of that crowd. Absolutely amazing. So, still not healed. So, Sunday morning comes and I'm saved by the bell because suddenly I'm, we were whisked off to do some church meetings rather than actually do the youth meeting. So, you know, we get in the car and I was like, oh, well, when is that guy's going to get healed today? Kind of half glad that I'm leaving and so that, you know, I, I don't have to clear up the rest if he's not. Um, we have a church meeting. It's brilliant. Uh, we sat down in Prague, which is about an hour away from, from where we were, um, having a lovely meal. And then uh, the youth leaders from the conference come in. And they, and, and they sat down, we're talking, goes, you're never going to guess what happened this morning. We were praying for that guy who had hearing aids in his he ears. He can now hear. Love it. You see, what was the point of us going over there? We were supposed to release these guys into the power of God to see healing. These guys could have had a testimony of, were you there when that guy from England came, laid hands on that guy in so much faith and, and, and he suddenly could hear? That could have been their testimony, but that's not their testimony. Their testimony is this. Do you remember when we laid hands on that guy? And the power of God flowed through us, through all of us, united us together, and now he can hear. You see... The processes of God are beautiful. The Christian life is not just a whole load of events. It's a process. It's a journey. It's not, when you say a sinner's prayer, it's not a get out of, of hell free card. Jesus said, come follow me. It's a journey. We're, so, we're supposed to be on a journey with God. We're supposed to be getting purer, purer, holier and holier, going from one degree of glory to glory. We're supposed to learn how to apply the, the power of God and the healing of God so that he heals our bodies. Sometimes as a process. He heals us from addictions, sometimes instantly, other times as a process. But he heals our anger issues, sometimes instantly, other times as a process. The journey of the Christian life, to me, is more important than the miracles themselves. Because we're getting to find out who God is. We've got... To, to experience the power of God, we're finding out who he is. We're getting to know him, which is the most beautiful thing. So I'm going to talk to you today about releasing the power of God in your life. You could, you could call it, I'm going to talk to you today about walking in the spirit. Or for those who are a bit flaky like me, I could call it the anointing. <laughs> Shall we talk about the anointing? Right, just need to take a drink. Just talk to yourselves. We'll have a drink. So if you turn to 1 Samuel 16, I'm going to use the life of Daniel. Oh, not Daniel. David. Daniel was who we prayed for this morning. <laughs> life of David to, ex to ex explain some principles behind the anointing to explain some of the principles of walking in the power of God, of seeing the power of God move in your life. Some of you at this point might be saying, well, what is this word anointing? What does, what does the word anointing mean? Well, the anointing of God, what it is, is that 
God will sometimes anoint people, and they used to do it in the Bible with oil, pour oil over their head, not just a little bit, but pour oil over their head. And it signified that God had selected that person for a specific job, specific assignment of a special favor. But it wasn't just the assignment, it wasn't just the job. Within the anointing was the presence of God to give the person the power, the enabling to actually do the assignment. So anointing is not just authority to do something, it's also the power, the skills to do it. So we're going to look at 1 Samuel 16. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? First thing I want to say to you, for someone in this room, to move in power, you have to let go of the old. You have to say goodbye to the old. Too many people are, are holding on to, to past glories, going, why isn't, it, why isn't the power of God in this anymore? You need to let go of the old and take the new. It's how you became a Christian. You let go of your old life and you took hold of the new. Fill your horn with oil and go. Oh, I could preach on that. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have selected a king for myself among his sons. But Samuel said, how can I go? When Saul hears of it, he will kill me. See, now I can identify with Samuel, the man of faith there. <laughs> God tells you to do something, help. Anyway, uh, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. You should invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do and you shall anoint for me the one whom I designate or choose to you. We know we are talking about the anointing of King David. David, who's going to be king over Israel. God's called him to be a king over Israel. God's called you to be a king and a priest of a heavenly kingdom, which is why we're looking at this. But notice at the moment, there is no talk of David. David has not been mentioned in the Bible once yet. You see, the anointing does not start with David. The anointing starts with God. One of the secrets here, secrets here is God chooses who to anoint. It's God's choice. Think about it. You didn't love God until he loved you first. You only love him because he loved you first. You search for God, yes, but he searched for you a lot longer before you searched for him. He searched for you first. He believed in you before you believed in him. Ephesians 1 says this, from before the foundation of the world, God chose you to be holy and blameless before him. Before you were even born, God chose you. God selected you. God anointed you to be holy and blameless before him. Paul writes, we cannot take even, take even credit for our own salvation. It's all about him. It's all about him. If you want to work, walk in the power of God, if you want to have the power of God in your life, you've got to realize it's all about him and not about you. It's all about what he wants and not about what you want. It's all about his will and not your will. John 15 verse 16 says this, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. See, I think 
walking in the anointing, catching the wind of God. Walking in the Holy Spirit is a bit like surfing. Do we have any surfers here? Put your hand up if, you, if you've gone surfing. One. Brilliant. So I've only done surfing about twice, but you're going to just have to take my, what I say is gospel because, you know, you, you can't contradict me. So that's really good. So, we, so when you go surfing, you, you hear about there's these waves, some big waves are coming to a certain beach. So you pitch up at the beach, you get in your gear. And the first thing you have to do, you have to get your surfboard or your bodyboard through the surf, through the breakers, through the initial waves. And that takes a lot of energy, especially when the waves are big, to actually get through past the breaking waves. And when you've got past the breaking waves, when you've put that effort in, you suddenly, suddenly the, the, the noise of the ocean quiets as you get past the breakers and, you, and you're just on the wave and you're just bobbing up and down on the sea. And what you do is, is, is you get yourself on your board and, and you just wait and you, you're looking to the horizon to see the big wave which is coming. And then when you see the wave you want, when you see the wave that is coming to you, you have to align your surfboard to the direction of the wave. And then, this is where your effort comes in, you have to swim and paddle like mad so that you can be fast enough so when the wave comes, it will take you. And if you get it fast enough, and if you get it in the right spot, suddenly the power of the wave will just lift your surfboard and send you forward. It's exhilarating. It's intoxicating because of the power which is suddenly unleashed on your surfboard. But know this, that wave was coming to meet you before you even arrived at the beach. Days before the winds and tides, I don't quite know how the waves work. Um, God blew on the ocean and sent his wave, the Holy Spirit, towards you. You had to get through the surf. You had to get through the distractions. You had to get to where you're in peace with God. But it's, he's already sent the wave to you before you ever, ever decide to go and get it. And then your energy that you put into surfing is on this, in balancing making sure you don't fall off and making sure that you are in the center of the power of the wave. You don't get to the beach because you're powerful. You don't get to the beach on your power. All your power and all your effort goes into harnessing, being at one with the power of the wave. You don't dictate where you go, the wave does. That's what it's like walking in the Holy Spirit. That's what it's like ministering in the anointing, if we want to get all like that. You have to catch the wave. So, what am I anointed for? We're reading this story about Samuel, and it doesn't look like we're going to get that far. Um, not Samuel, it's David. David hasn't been mentioned yet. David is anointed to be king, but what are you anointed for? What are you anointed for? Now, David got about three anointings before he actually became king. You don't necessarily just get one anointing. And some of you will have specific anointings here in this room to do specific tasks. Some might be to lead worship. Some might be to actually be a school teacher. But in John 14, Jesus says this. If you believe in me, I will go to the Father and I will send you the Holy Spirit. What's he saying? He's saying, if you believe in me, I'll go to the Father and I will anoint you with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
the anointing you receive is not a horn of oil, it's the Holy Spirit on your life. It's not Samuel coming to anoint you, Jesus came to anoint you. Paul says this, now let's go to John first, 1 John 2, 27, the Bible says this, the anointing which you received lives in you, dwells in you. Stuart was talking about enlarge your dwelling place, enlarge your tent of dwelling. You are a tent. The Holy Spirit has come not to just cover you with oil. He's come to dwell in you. Paul said in, in Colossians, the secret of the Christian life is this. Or the mystery. Christ in you. You know what the secret of power in the Bible is? Do you know the secret of living a Christian life, of being an overcomer, of reigning in life? Christ in you. Christ in you. Jesus lives in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the secret, guys. That's what was hidden from the beginning. Christ in you. The, see, Christ was not Jesus' last name. You know, Joseph Christ didn't ma marry a virgin Mary. Jesus Christ, the Christ is his title. It's his function. It's who he was. Christ means the anointed one. Jesus was the anointed one. The anointed one lives in you. Not only does the anointed one live in you, but his anointing as well lives in you. See, this is the secret. This is the secret to, to faith. This is the secret to see people healed. This is the secret to overcoming. Christ lives in you. You already have it in you. The secret, the answer to your prayer is already in you. Christ, Jesus. You see, the same power that fed the 5,000 lives in you. The same power that raised the dead lives in you. The same power that walked on water lives in you. The same power that saw the blind eyes see and the deaf ears hear lives in you. Enlarge the tent of your dwelling. Enlarge the tent where Christ lives in you so that you can experience the power of God living in you. The same Christ that lives in you stood up in a synagogue and said this, I am anointed to preach the gospel. I am anointed to open deaf ears. I am anointed to open blind eyes, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the prisoners and the captives free. That person lives in you. What is the anointing that lives, that dwells, that abides in you? It's the same anointing that was on Jesus. What am I called to do? Am I supposed to be a postman? Or am I supposed to, to be in the, the revival kids team? Or am I supposed to be in this? I don't know, but I know this. You are anointed to heal the sick. You are anointed to preach the gospel. You are anointed to set the captives free. You see, Jesus said this. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus was talking of himself. So let's, look, let's think about Calvary. There is Jesus dying on the cross and the devil is there laughing. He thinks he's won. He thinks he's won. 
They put Jesus in the ground. They put the Christ in the ground. And he thinks he's won. Even the disciples thinks Jesus has lost and devil has won. They don't believe it when they hear reports three days later that he's risen again. They, they think he's lost. He's, he's been deserted. But you see, the Christ went into the ground and died. And then over here pops up a little Christ. And 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 over here pops up a little Christ. What does Christian mean? It means little anointed one. It means little Christ. Jesus went into the ground and died. And he said in John 16, it's actually better for you that I go and die and then go to the Father because then you'll get the Holy Spirit in you. You'll get the anointing in you. And that is better for you and it is better for the world because rather than just one Jesus walking around without anointing, there is now a little Christ there and a little Christ there and a little Christ there and a little Christ there. No wonder Philippians says the devil was humiliated by the cross. He thinks he's one. He thinks he's one, but he's just compounded the problem. He's got Jesus everywhere now. I thought I killed him and now I've got a hundred. You see, this was God's plan from the beginning. I spoke about the process of salvation. He wants you to enjoy, be part of the process of salvation on this earth. He wants you to be part of the process of healing people in this earth and setting them free. His plan was always, I will come, I will pay the price, I will die, and then I will give the power that I have to my church, to my people, and they will go and rule and reign in this earth. They will bring God's kingdom to this earth. That was plan A, and the devil missed it. Plan A, you're part of plan A. Am I God? No. Am I a healer? No. But God lives in me. And the healer lives in me. So I know that when I walk into a room, God's just walked in. I know that in this room now that God is all over the place because you guys have walked in. The secret is Christ lives in you. Turn with me to Ephesians, Ephesians 1, verse 19. What is your assignment to release the power of God into the world? What is your assignment to bring light where there's darkness? What is your assignment to heal the sick? What is your assignment to rule as a king of a heavenly kingdom? That's your assignment. What's your power? Ephesians 1 verse 19, and I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation because somehow the big words just make me lose the meaning. This is Paul. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power, the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Let me read that again. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for you. What is the greatness and power for you? It is the Holy Spirit. It is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That is your power. Do I believe this? Uh, I try to. 
Because if, if I really believed this, every obstacle, I think I'd smash. But I'm inviting you this morning to enlarge the tent of your dwelling where Christ lives. Enlarge the tent in you. Enlarge the, where the anointing flows in you so that you start to experience this, so you start to believe this. Because it's not about what your head believes, it's what your heart does. See, I know if you believe this or not, because I, I will see it by your actions. Do you believe that God will heal the sick? I can see it if you go and pray for them and if you expect them to be healed. Did I have faith for that guy to be healed with those deaf ears? Yeah, I did. I was shocked that he wasn't. Absolutely shocked that he wasn't. Do I always have that? No, but in that instant, I was in the spirit. I was in the, as people say, the anointing. I was in the flow of God. And I, and I just knew I just got the timing wrong because we don't hear everything right. I didn't see the greater plan which Jesus had. Oh, it's getting wet up here. <laughs> Can I have the uh, one ministry team up here? The guys who did ministry at one. And I'm going to leave you with, with this. As Finney walked into the cotton mill, one of the opponents of the meeting, a young lady employee, saw him looking at her co-employee. She began to laugh. Some writers say she made a cynical remark about Finney and his meeting. In a spirit of prayer, Charles Finney simply looked at this young lady without saying a word. As he kept looking at her, being grieved by her criticism, the lady stopped working as she had broken her thread. She became so upset that she couldn't repair the thread and start again. The Spirit of God mightily convicted her of her sin to the point that she began to weep. Soon her companions were convicted and began to weep. A chain reaction occurred as hundreds began to be overcome by their lost condition. The factory owner seeing this was deeply moved himself and said, stop the mill and let the people attend to religion for it is far more important that our souls be saved than the factory run. All the workers were assembled in a very large room and Finney said, a more powerful meeting I scarcely ever attended. Within a few days, nearly every employee was saved. Some accounts say all were saved. Several authors say there were 3,000 employees in this factory. What happened? Finney walked into a factory and the Holy Spirit got out. What happened? The same power that was on Jesus, the same power that was on Peter, flowed out of Finney. Just picture it in your mind. A factory being filled with the presence of God that people are just weeping and needing God. Now realize this, the same power that was on Finney lives in you. The same power that was in Finney lives in you. Think about your house. You could walk into your house and the power of God can overwhelm it. You can walk into your office and the power of God can overwhelm it. You can walk into your school and the power of God can overwhelm it. But as these guys just line up on the front, in front of me, they're going. And uh, we're, we're, we're quite lucky this morning we've actually, can, we can overrun. We've got an extra 15 minutes from Cineworld. Isn't that brilliant? Must have known that I was coming. You need to be filled. You need to have the overflow of God in your heart. You need to believe in Him. That's the first start, step to getting the, the anointing, the Holy Spirit living in you. 
the rivers of living water flowing out of you. But I missed out another stop, which, step which John says in, Jesus says in John 7, verse 7, 37. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the believing again, as the scripture says, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water that can change a whole factory. Your tent that, is in, that dwells in you can be so much bigger than you that you can walk down the street like Peter did and people at the side of the road are healed because your tent is wider than your actual being. I'm also reminded of something else. Jesus was preaching in a room and it was rammed, packed full of people. So packed full of people that no one else could get in. And these guys came with their, their friend on a stretcher who couldn't walk. And so these guys decided to climb up on the roof and dig a hole in the roof and lay, lower this guy down who is lame, who can't walk. Do you know, there was, there was quite a few different people at that meeting, but there was two people I want to talk, two types of people I want to talk about. There were the people who got there on the front row, who pushed in, who were really thirsty enough to get there, and they were right there to see. I saw it when that, that crippled guy, that leg moved, that leg changed. I saw him get, I was right there. And then there's another type of person who said, I was so desperate for God to move in my life. I was so desperate for the power of God to affect my life. But we went up on the roof and we didn't care what people thought. We didn't care what the social etiquette was. We dug a hole in the roof. We thought, we're gonna, we're gonna care, don't care about it. Whatever consequences, I'm gonna get my friend to Jesus. No matter who sees, no matter who judges me, I'm gonna get to Jesus. They experienced the power of God. He walked, their friends didn't need to look, up, look after him anymore. They experienced the power. My question to you today is, are you going to be a spectator? Are you going to be so close that you see the power of God at working, but you're just a spectator? Or are you going to be so desperate for God, so thirsty for Him, that you experience His power? And that His power transforms your life.